This is Tending Seeds, a podcast about my adventures in homesteading and herbalism. I'm Sarah Schuster, and I'll be your host. Thanks for being here today. Hi, friends. Welcome back. This is episode 18 of Tending Seeds, and you might have noticed that we have been a little bit off of our normal recording schedule. And if you know me at all, then you know that that was really hard for me to do. And letting go of perfectionism is really difficult sometimes. And so it was really tough for me to not put an episode out for you all on the normal first and third Wednesday schedule. But life was really busy. And I also realized that being an integrity for me and valuing y'all's time meant it was better for me to not put out an episode than to rush to get something done and release something that one, I wasn't proud of and two, that I felt wasn't worthy of your time because your time is valuable. So here we are. Hopefully this episode is valuable for you. It is not our normal episode because it's not just about a topic relevant to homesteading or herbalism, though it definitely applies because it's coming out of my life. But I think it's going to cover some stuff that maybe you're also dealing with in your life. And so the two things we're going to talk about today are goal setting and imposter syndrome. Dun, 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 scary words. And I feel like a lot of times those two things can often go hand in hand where we set goals to try to push ourselves forward and try new things and, you know, aim for new heights. And then, you know, the negative kind of shadow side of that is that imposter syndrome coming forward and being like, how dare you, you know, reach for this? Like, who are you to get to do that? So those are the two things we're going to talk about today. I'm excited to talk about them. They're very near and dear to my heart, especially lately. I had a birthday at the first of the month. I turned 36. My birthday, my birthday as well as the start of a new year are both always times where I like to get, I would not even say just a little introspective, a lot of introspective and do some assessment and do some goal setting. So about two and a half months ago now, two friends and I met up and we talked about doing some goal setting together. We're all sort of working on things where we're our own bosses, kind of getting businesses moving forward in different areas. And so we were kind of talking about like ways that we could support one another and encourage each other. And also I had recently found through another podcaster, a quarterly business planner that they talked about using. And I decided to try to use that myself and brought my two friends on it with me as well and kind of got them talking about it. And so we set some goals for like the upcoming three months, which ends November 1st for that first set of goals. And I have to say like the specific planner, I won't tell you which one it was. I didn't like the specific planner. I have not really used it. It was one that was set up where you would have like daily, uh, full like daily spread for every day. But then I also have my normal planner that I was using. And so I think just trying to go back and forth between two planners and looking at them every day, it just didn't work for me. I'm always kind of assessing my planning system. I'm thinking about going back to bullet journaling for 2020 when that year starts. Um, Right now I've been using the passion planner. I love bullet journaling. I really, really like it because it's so customizable. Just Google bullet journaling, or especially I like minimalist bullet journaling, where it's less about the artsiness of it and more about just like the practicality 
of that planner format and just how customizable that is for whatever your own needs are. But the downside of that is it can take a little bit of time to set up. And so I'm always looking to like streamline that process. So this past year felt so busy to me that I decided to not bullet journal. And I went back to using something called a passion planner, which is another pretty popular planner format out there. And I like it, but I do find myself missing the bullet journaling. I'm not sure if I'm just going to always bounce back and forth between these two or what I'm going to do. So not sure what planner format I'm going to use for next year. But what I did figure out is even though I didn't like that specific quarterly planner, I did really like chunking my goals into quarterly segments where I was just figuring out what do I want to do for the next three month increment of time. That felt really good and really attainable for me. And the nice thing about that was just the process of setting, looking at all of my goals together and then setting and picking out what my goals for the next three months were going to be. I also could sort of see looking forward down the timeline of, okay, well, that's really cool. If I get this chunk of three goals, this particular planner had you pick like five goals for each three month section, I could look and see, cool, if I get these five goals done in these three months, what that sets me up to then do is move forward into this next chunk of goals. And I could sort of see like how they connected from one to the other. And so literally just the act of writing down my goals for one quarter, I could already kind of see at least three or four of what my next goals would be for the next quarter after that, provided I was successful in that initial quarter that I was setting up, which is great because that's a little built-in motivation right there of, hey, if you finish this goal, now you can move on to the next one. And then you're already thinking, oh, cool. So after two quarters or six months or half of a year, this is how much farther I'm going to be into getting my goals accomplished. And here's what I've actually gotten done. So I did really enjoy that format. And I think I'm going to keep doing that and looking at it that way, because that did feel really good to me. One of the other things I did was I just made a single one page, two column document for myself that was literally just a brain dump of possible ideas and goals for things related to our house, the farm, the herb business, and even this podcast. And I think what I want is that my goal is to hopefully get those all either done or at least significantly underway by the end of 2020. So basically from the time I did that list, that would give me a total of 15 months or five quarters to accomplish those goals. That also felt really good just to get that out of my head. I seriously encourage if you're feeling overwhelmed or stressed or just like you have too much rattling around in your brain, doing that brain dump and just getting it out on paper so you can stop feeling like you have to remember all these things so that they don't slip away is really amazing to just like get that all out on paper and then not have to worry about it anymore because I have so much going on right now, but then I'm also still constantly getting these really kind of cool creative ideas of like potential things that I want to explore for the podcast or the business or, you know, whatever the next herbal program I want to tackle. Uh, I already know what that is. I already have like, you know, I'm finishing up one herb program over this winter and I'm hoping to start another one next March. I'm also planning to get my PDC, my permaculture design certificate next year. Looking at two different programs for that, one online and one in person, I'll probably end up doing both because why not? So yeah, getting those things down on paper so I can stop having to like think about them and have them rattling around in my brain all the time was really nice. And it enabled me to now just focus on what am I doing this quarter? What are my goals for the next three months? The five things that I think are going to move me forward in the most significant ways. 
okay, now that's all I'm worrying about. If and when I finish those, then I will go back to my list and I'll pick something new to work on instead, even if it's not the end of that quarter yet. So that was a really nice thing to do. Now we get though into the flip side of this, which would be talking about imposter syndrome. Because one of the things that went down onto my goals for this for the entire brain dump, but then I actually ended up picking out and choosing as one of my five goals for this current quarter had to do with teaching about herbalism. And I said I wanted to try to get at least three classes or workshops, even if I didn't teach them this fall, to at least get them prepared for, like making the class materials, making my notes and presentations and handouts, and basically having three specific classes or workshops that were ready to go if and when I felt like I could do that. Because that imposter syndrome, again, is always rearing its head. And so I was thinking, maybe I'm not ready to do this quite yet. But then luckily, I've told you guys before that I have a side hustle off of the farm. I work part time as a soap maker for a local business here. They wholesale soap, but they also have a brick and mortar store here in town. And they asked me to teach at one of their festivals that was coming up. They do something called Folk Magic Fest every October. And they provide a free day of classes for the community to come and take. They pay the teachers, you know, a stipend for their time. But for the general public, it's free for them to come and take those classes. And they asked me if I would teach a class that day. I mean, no pressure, just kind of a if you want to kind of opportunity. And that stopped me kind of in my tracks. And I was like, oh, like, because I wanted to say yes, because I love teaching. Everything I've ever done in my entire life, if I've done it for long enough, I've always ended up in some sort of teaching or managerial or leadership type role with it from being a literal math uh, and English middle school teacher to even when I was doing Muay Thai, after a couple years, my instructor had me start leading some of the beginner and then intermediate level Muay Thai classes, uh, and then working my way up from a cashier to an assistant manager to a general manager doing restaurant work. I've always kind of ended up teaching somehow. And I really do love teaching. I love sharing knowledge with people. And so I always knew with herbalism that I would want to teach at some point because I think it's so empowering to put that knowledge into people's hands for them to be able to have that for themselves and not have to rely on other people. I'd rather, you know, teach you to make medicine than for you to feel beholden to other medicine makers and that you always have to buy our products, which I guess on one level seems like shooting myself in the foot from a business perspective, but that's just how I feel. I'd rather teach you and empower you to go off and do your own thing. Because letting go of that scarcity mindset about money and business is I live near Nashville, which has like 700,000 people in it. How many people can I possibly fit into a class? Letting go of scarcity mindset, there will always be people out there that can teach and lead workshops with or people that aren't interested or don't have the time to make their own medicine. And that may still want to buy products for me. So that's fine. So again, I'd rather give that knowledge to people. And I really do love teaching and I've always been kind of a nerdy little school-loving fool. I love teaching and being in the classroom, whether I'm the student or the teacher. So this opportunity came up for the middle of October to teach at Folk Magic Fest. And that sort of forced me to ask myself, am I really just prepping these class materials for some far-off potential date whenever I feel ready to quote-unquote lead these classes? 
Or am I ready to like put some feelers out there and actually attempt this? And so I decided, you know what, if I'm going to say yes to teaching at Folk Magic Fest, then there's no reason I can't say yes to also teaching any of these other workshops or courses that I've started making the materials for. And so at the end of September, I'd actually put on the calendar and I'd talked about it on the last couple of podcasts that I had this class and workshop coming up for making elderberry syrup and also talking about herbs for cold and flu season. So I taught that class. It went really, really well. Um, We had 10 people show up. It was super fun. I was really nervous. I'm always nervous before teaching a class or before a Muay Thai fight or anything, public speaking or getting up in front of people. Always this makes me feel super nervous. And then I start doing it and I get into it and it's fine. You would think over time that that nervousness would go away. It has not for me, to be honest. And I always feel that way. But again, I just remember you've done this so many times now, you know, I was a middle school teacher for six years. Every day I would get up and think about having to get up and teach a lesson plan or getting into the ring to fight or spar with Muay Thai or now doing classes like this or back when I had to lead meetings and trainings as a restaurant manager. So decided to do it. That class went great. Uh, Folk Fest, um, I did a class on walking the plant path, talking about how spirituality and my plant business sort of met in the middle for me and how I identify as a plant witch and what that looks like in my life. Also offering tips for people to connect to the land around them and bring more plants into their own personal world. It went so well, like over 40 people came and showed up for that. People shared so much amazing personal stories from their own lives about connecting with the plant world. It was such an incredible time. I didn't want the hour-long class to end. We definitely could have kept going for even longer. And so, yeah, so I've really been kind of fighting this imposter syndrome head-on, and I've just been thinking about, like, how I worked through that on my own, and so I wanted to talk about that here today in the hopes that maybe it will be useful to you all as well, because I don't think this is an uncommon feeling for us to have. And, you know, one of those things that I kind of touched on before is thinking about just in my own town. Yes, we have 700,000 people. Some of those people are herbalists. There are other herbalists here in town. Some of them also teach classes. I take classes from some of those people too, because they've been doing this for longer than I have. And so it's really easy for that little shadow in the back of your mind to say, well, then if, if there are other people in this town who have been doing this longer than you, then who are you to try to teach a class or offer a workshop? Like, why shouldn't people go see that person instead? And they can, obviously. But here's the thing. It's not about comparison. It's about figuring out what you have potentially to offer. And so how do I get past that? So I need to recognize, number one, I'm always going to be learning. You probably are too. The education is never going to stop. Like I said, I'm finishing up a course right now for herbalism. I already have the next one picked out. The folks that I'm learning from, they are also always pushing forward and learning from other herbalists as well. There's always going to be someone out there that knows more than you do. You don't need to feel bad about that or intimidated. I think we should feel grateful because that means I can go learn from that person and I can expand my own knowledge and then I can turn around and pass that knowledge on to others and share that information as well. Knowledge and experience is a spectrum and you're going to be moving along both of those spectrums for the rest of your life. And that's fine. And again, you don't need to feel bad about wherever you are on that spectrum. 
there are tons of herbal conferences out there in the world. And there are some like the American Herbalist Guild Symposium or the International Herb Symposium that are really like high level in terms of the courses they offer. There are herbal conferences that are geared towards, I think the majority of people that are going to those conferences are also herbalists or naturopaths. They're really diving deep into herbal topics. Would I feel qualified right now to go teach a class at one of those conferences? Absolutely not. No, I don't feel like I have something to offer there to other herbalists that have been doing this for many of them for as long as I've been alive or longer. So yeah, I don't feel like I'm at that place on the spectrum right now to have that to offer. But there are other herbal conferences that are more geared towards people that are just beginning to get interested in learning about plant medicine. Do I have anything to offer to those people? Yes, I totally do. Maybe not on every single subject. I could write you a list as long as my arm about different possible topics that I would not currently feel qualified to lead a class on. But there are also plenty of things that I do feel qualified to talk about. So I think making sure that I'm in in integrity with myself, and this is something you can ask yourself too when you start to worry about imposter syndrome. So if it comes to like teaching, here's what I ask myself. Is there something I know? Yes, I know lots of things. So thinking about what do I know? What information do I have to offer that that I truly know and feel good about my working knowledge of? And so these are things I've actually experienced with myself, with hands-on medicine making, and through working with clients, and then supplemented by my own study and education, but never just teaching in a way where I'm just like regurgitating a bunch of books that I read. That's not my own experience. So I want to be teaching from a, a place of personal experience and knowledge. Okay, cool. So that's the first thing I'm looking at. The second thing is, is it stuff that others may not know? So again, that talk about like picking my right audience. I'm not going to go apply to teach an international herb symposium to a room full of herbalists that have all been doing this for 20 or 30 years. I want to instead teach in a more local climate to people that maybe are just beginning to explore plant medicine or have doing been doing this for a comparable amount of time. Uh, in a similar way that I have myself. And then also, would it benefit them to know this? Because again, I don't want to waste anyone's time, just like I didn't put out a podcast the other week because I didn't have anything to say and I would have been rushing to just fill up some air. So I want this to be beneficial to anyone that attends because everyone's time is valuable. And especially if it's a class where I'm asking also for a monetary exchange, that also has value. So again, being very careful and deliberate about crafting my class. Also, in terms of how I advertise, am I being straightforward about how I present the class? I'm going to spell out exactly what I'm covering so people can know whether the class is going to be of interest and of use to them. So no weird kind of bait and switch. I'm not going to present myself as being an expert in all things. And I'm going to be really clear about the level of the class. So for instance, the cold and flu class and elderberry workshop that I just taught, I spelled out exactly what we were going to cover what people would be learning, and what people would take home with them. And so I'm sure that someone who has been an herbalist and has made their own elderberry syrup every year for the last 20 years would have read that class description and known that it probably wasn't a class that they needed to take. Whereas people that are newer to plant medicine could have read that and known that it was going to be at a good introductory level where they wouldn't end up feeling overwhelmed either. And so I think finding that balance between those two things is really important. 
And again, that making sure that you feel like you're in integrity with what you're offering and how you're presenting yourself. I think that's the easiest way to get through feeling that um, imposter syndrome is to know I have something of value to offer. I'm offering it truthfully and honestly. I'm not putting on airs. I'm not pretending to be something I'm not. This is who I am. And that's how you get through it. It's not always going to be easy. That's for sure. But it is possible to get through it. I hope that's been helpful. I know that's not our usual type of episode, but that's just kind of what's been on my mind and on my heart lately, thinking about things here. Also, we haven't shared any kind of inspirational stuff for a while of what we're being inspired by. I just finished a book by Jenny O'Dell called How to Do Nothing, and I really recommend it. It's a pretty short, quick read. It talks a lot about the ideas of like productivity and the attention economy and technology and how that's all kind of been incorporated into our lives. And especially in turn, and I really enjoyed all of it, but especially talking about like productivity and that idea that we have of like capitalism and constant growth and that if you're not always growing, then you're not being successful. So a quote that I marked and highlighted for myself was this one. In the context of health and ecology, things that grow unchecked are often considered parasitic or cancerous. Yet we inhabit a culture that privileges novelty and growth over the cyclical and the regenerative. That just really hit me so hard because I think about, you know, I see people all the time advertising to like smaller businesses like myself. I get spam constantly, you know, do you want to grow your business to six figures or seven figures or eight figures and all this stuff? And I'm just like oh, not really. Like, I really just want to help people that, you know, connect with me in some way and feel called to throw some money my way for classes or products. Like, I I don't want to own my own jet or a private island. <laughs> like, that's just not my jam. So yeah, I really liked this book a lot. Jenny also talked about bioregionalism and how important that could be and her interactions and finding space, like, within her own community, public parks and things like that to really nurture herself and go to them for just their like restorative energy in that space. Another quote from her from the book was bioregionalism teaches us of emergence, interdependence, and the impossibility of absolute boundaries. So yeah, just two little quotes from that book to leave you there. Again, that's Jenny O'Dell, How to Do Nothing. I really enjoyed it. I think you will too. If you want to check it out, your library probably has a copy. And we'll sign off here for the week. As always, you can contact me with questions, comments, or topics that you would like me to cover. My email is foxandelder at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Instagram, foxandelder, all one word. I know I normally say I'll be back with new episodes on the first and third Wednesday of each month we'll see. So uh, it actually felt kind of liberating to break my normal production schedule and focus more on just what I was bringing you guys. So I have some topics in mind for the rest of the year uh, through this fall and winter, and I will get them to you when I get them to you. I'm, I mean, I'm still going to try to stick to the, you know, twice a month schedule, but we'll see. All right. I hope you all are doing well. And until next time, keep your hands dirty and your heart open.